So today we are starting a new series which is called Shape and over the next number of weeks we're going to spend some time talking about the ways in which God has shaped each one of us uniquely uh, to be able to be a part of the work that he's doing in the world around us. And as we begin that I want to just pose a question to you that might seem fairly obvious but it's a really, really important question for us to wrestle with. If you had to sum up the purpose of why God created humanity in the first place, what would your answer be? If you had to sum up all of the reasons why God sat down and said, let's create humans, what would your answer be? This is a really important question because we know cognitively some of the answers that we're supposed to have to it, but if we're honest, sometimes we project other things onto the reason why God made us. We can sometimes think that God just kind of created us because maybe he was sitting up in eternity and he was a bit lonely. So he was like, I'm lonely and bored, so let's do something, let's create these people and I can have some playthings, some toys that will be able to just watch and when I'm interested I can engage with them and when I'm not I'll just kind of do some other things. Sometimes we can think that God kind of created us uh, to impress him. So God created us and then he just keeps an eye on us. Let's see whether you can measure up to the standard that I set for you. Sometimes we can think uh, that God might have done all of this uh, just because he was lonely. He was sitting up again in eternity by himself and had no one to be able to talk to him. So he was very, very lonely and therefore very needy. Sometimes we can think that God created us because he wanted us to kind of say how amazing he is. So we're created so that we can continually remind God, wow God, you're so incredible. And that's the whole reason that God created us. Again, this huge sense of neediness. Now obviously all of those things are very big extremes, but sometimes we can just fall into the trap of projecting those things onto the understanding of why God made us. For us we would say the whole purpose in why God created us is for a relationship End of story. God created us so that we could have a relationship with him so that he, uh, we could be a part of his family. And this is really, really important all the way back to our understanding about what God is like. And we hold on to this very complex idea that God is three in one. We talk about God as the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And frankly, it would be a lot easier if we didn't have the Trinity as a part of our belief system because a lot of people really struggle with this idea that God is three, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and yet God is one. It kind of doesn't add up and doesn't make any sense. But we believe that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are so united, so on the same page, such a common sense of love, such a common sense of purpose, that they are one together. And the reason that we hold on to this and why we believe that it's so important is because it means that God wasn't lonely and God wasn't bored at the beginning of eternity. Because God has always existed in a perfect relationship, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, since the beginning of time. And when we talk about this idea of God inviting us into a relationship, we're not just invited into a relationship with God who's lonely or bored, we're invited into this amazing dynamic relationship that already exists of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, this beautiful, perfect circle of other-centred love which we're invited to come and join. When God created us, that was his purpose. I kind of always had this picture of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit sitting around a table at the beginning of creation and saying, how are we going to do this? Putting some blueprints out, mapping everything out and saying, isn't it going to be incredible? When we create people who can experience what we get to experience. Isn't it going to be amazing when people get swept up in that same sense of love and relationality that we have together in the here and now? 
That was the whole purpose in why God created us. Now, that's really important because it also means that we're not just passive bystanders. God didn't just create us so that we could sit over to the side. If we're invited into this others-centred, love-filled relationship, then that means we're invited into a role that is participatory, where we're invited to participate in that others-centred love. And so as we get into this series and as we talk about why we're here, as we talk about our purpose, we want to recognise that it's all about participating in the life of the Trinity. It's all about participating in the life of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, being swept up in that and participating in the work that comes from being a part of that amazing others-centred circle. So to be able to unpack that, we're going to use this acronym which is called SHAPE. And uh, this is something that Rick Warren at Saddleback Church came up with many, many years ago now. Uh, But I've always found it a really helpful way of being able to unpack some of the different things about how God has uniquely made us. So the S stands for spiritual gifts. And so next week we're going to talk about what spiritual gifts are and the different spiritual gifts that God gives us to be able to participate in the work that he's got for us. The H stands for heart. And so we're going to unpack our heart or our passions, the things that motivate us and the things that drive us. The A stands for abilities. So this is more of kind of our natural talents and our abilities that we have that aren't necessarily spiritual gifts but can still be used for God's purposes. The P then stands for personality. So we recognise we've all got very different personalities and that shapes the way that we interact with God and the way that we interact with each other. And it also shapes some of the different things that God has for us to do. And then the E stands for experiences. That God uses the experiences of our lives to shape us and mould us. And not just the good experiences, but the negative experiences and the hard times that we go through all have a big impact on us as well. And so over the next number of weeks, we're going to unpack each of those one after another. And as we do, we'll have this opportunity to discover more about the ways in which God has uniquely made each one of us uh, for his purposes. Now, I want to say a couple of things as we launch into that. For some of us, this is going to be a little bit of a challenging series. And the reason for that is because of a couple of things. could be our level of self-perception. To be able to say, well, I'm not that unique or I'm not that gifted or I don't really have that much to offer. And so this whole idea of staring into how God has uniquely made me might be a little bit intimidating or confronting for some of us. For others of us, there might be this sense of being able to say, oh, I don't know, like I, I don't want to be called into some role. I don't want to kind of step into something significant. I'd not, that's not the way that I see myself. I just want to kind of be able to serve and not have to take on all these other things. So if this is all about that, then I'm not interested. It's not about that. That's not the point of what we're going to do. The idea here is simply to be able to have a better understanding about who we are and the ways in which God has uniquely made each one of us to participate, and a lot of that is just going to affirm the things that we're already doing. So for some of us, we're people who love to be able to pray for other people. And through this series, what we'll discover is why it is that we have such a passion for praying for other people. For some of us, we're people who love to serve behind the scenes. And so this will affirm why it is that we love to be able to serve behind the scenes, but also to be able to kind of say that's not just about serving behind the scenes and kind of hiding away. This is about fulfilling your purpose in that, but also about freeing other people up to do some of the things that they do. 
For some of us, we're people who love to reach out to other people and to encourage other people. And we'll discover through this series that there's a reason for that, that God's uniquely wired us to be people who love to make phone calls, who love to send text messages of encouragement, who love to catch up with people for a coffee. Those things are no less significant than some of what we often see as the more bigger things and the bigger opportunities that we can be involved in. It's also not just about what we do here at Brooklyn Park. The idea of this is to be able to say that this helps us to understand more about the reasons why we're in the jobs that we're in, or the reason why we volunteer with the organisations that we do, or the reasons why we want to partner generously with different organisations that are making a difference around the world. As we make our way through this series, there's going to be opportunities for all those things to come to the surface. And my hope is that for a lot of us, it's just affirmation of things that we already know, but that gives us a greater sense of passion about engaging with those things. So I'm going to ask you to participate in what we're going to do as we make our way through that time. Each week there's going to be uh, some things for you to be able to do at home. If you were with us back in February, you might remember that we had some kind of take-home homework to be able to do. We're going to do something similar to that uh, starting next week. And I want to encourage you to just try those things out and see what that looks like. At the end of the series, there's then going to be an opportunity to be able to have a chat about those things and to say, well, I've really discovered some stuff and I'd love to chat a little bit more about what the implications of that are or what that might mean. And so uh, there'll be an opportunity to do that. We'll talk about that more as we get towards the end of the series. So I hope that you're feeling excited about that. I hope that you're not feeling too intimidated by that or too scared by it. Just bear with us and hopefully we'll get through it all together. But today as we begin this series... I really want to come back to this idea of talking about why God created us and what our purpose really is. And we've already spent some time in Psalm 139 and we've already affirmed a couple of things. First of all, that God knows absolutely everything. That God is the creator of the universe and yet God knows everything about each one of us. That God knows us individually, that God knows us intimately. God knows everything that we've done, God knows everything that we're going to do. God knows every one of our thoughts, every one of our words, every one of our actions. We also have recognised that God's with us everywhere, that there's nowhere that we can go where we can escape from God. And so the question I want to ask you is, is that good news or is that bad news? God knows everything about you and God is with you everywhere you are. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because we can, our first reaction might be a little bit of kind of like, ooh, that's a little scary, a little bit of shame, a little bit of like, oh, that means that God knows that thing that I said this week, or God knows that thing that I thought this week, or God was with me when that thing happened this week. God's aware of all of those things. And so as the psalmist says, that can kind of provoke this idea to say, where can I go to hide from God? But the answer is actually we can't go anywhere. And the reason for that is this isn't supposed to be about God catching us out, where we kind of, and we fall into this trap with lots of people, where we try to put on a brave face and we put on our best front. Sometimes we can do that with God. And think that if we just show ourselves well enough to be doing all the right things and saying all the right things, then God will miss all of the other things that don't necessarily happen. But that's not the way that God operates at all. God knows all of those things about us, which should actually create a sense of freedom for us. Because it means that any time we're engaging with God, we don't have to pretend that we've got it all together. We don't have to put on this brave face and this big front to try and show that we're capable and everything's perfect in our lives because God knows that it isn't. He understands us. 
It gets us. He knows the reasons why we make some of the poor choices that we make. He knows the reasons why we respond to some of the things that we do. He knows what's going on for us, even in the really, really hard things that happen. God's more than just off to the side. Again, as we think about this idea of God seeing everything and knowing everything, I kind of have this picture of God sitting with a bank of security cameras or he's just watching everything that's going on. There's one camera that's on my words, there's one camera that's on my mind and my thoughts, there's one that's on my actions, God's got cameras everywhere. We can have this, again, passive picture of God sitting back, watching all of that to just see whether we mess up whatsoever. But that's not what God wants us to understand about his level of intimacy and connection with us. And that's why these few verses that are in the middle of this psalm are so important and so profound. So Psalm 139, verse 13, says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This reminds us that God isn't just passively sitting back. God was intimately involved in us from the very beginning. God created each one of us, put us together, knit us together. And when I think about knitting, I think about something that is very involved. It's not manufacturing or it's just kind of happening on a mass scale. With knitting, you've got to get in there and focus on each individual, it's not a stitch, what's it called? It is a stitch. Oh, well, there we go. It is a stitch. I knew that. <laughs> so knitting, very, very intimate and involved and engaged. God knit us together in our mother's womb. That's amazing. We're not here by chance. God created each one of us with intentionality and with a purpose. And the image that's used here is the image of a master craftsman. And so you might think of a number of different examples of what that might look, might look like. For some of us, we might think of a painter who paints amazing pieces of art. Or you might think of a gourmet chef who cooks amazing meals. You might think about a musician who writes amazing music and puts words to that. You might think about a wood turner who takes a piece of wood and turns it into some incredible creation. Whichever one of those or something else that's most helpful for you, just hold on to that picture that God is like that sort of master craftsman. Each one of us then are a piece of art, a piece of craft that are made by God. A painting, a gourmet meal, a song, a piece of wood turning. God knows each one of us with the same level of intimacy that a master craftsman knows his or her work. Think about a painter, knows every single brushstroke that goes into a painting. A gourmet chef knows every single ingredient that goes into the meal that they're making. A songwriter knows every single note and every single word and how they fit together. A wood turner knows every grain, every knot that's on a piece of wood. That's how God knows us. That's how God formed us and created us. We're told that we are wonderfully made. Some people would say that that's actually saying we're divinely made, tapping into what we know from the beginning of Genesis that says that we're created in God's image, 
In God's likeness, we're created. That as God puts himself into us, we're created in his image. But it's also just understood as wonderfully means full of wonder. Remarkably, marvellously, incredibly, amazingly made. And we're also told that God knows all of our days even before they're written. And so this means that we are created with a purpose, that as God crafts us, he can see what that looks like. He can see the potential in us. He can see what we've been created to be. Now, there's an important thing that we need to hold on to here because there are some schools of theology that take this idea of saying God knows all of our days to then mean that we effectively don't have a choice that God's already mapped it all out, so we just kind of follow instructions and that's the end of things. I have a couple of issues with that school of theology. Some people believe that, that's totally fine. But my challenge with that is first of all that I believe that God creates us with a sense of choice. That God didn't make us to be robots. God created us for a relationship. And a relationship only exists because of choice. If you take choice out of a relationship, it stops being a relationship. That's not healthy at all. So first of all, I believe that God created us with a choice to be able to say yes or no to the things that he gives us to be able to do. But my bigger issue with that is that that also means that all of the people who do all of the evil in the world, that God mapped all of their days out before they were even born. And I have a pretty serious issue with that, that God would make someone and say, this is the path that you're going to walk and you don't really get a choice in it. It's far easier for me to believe that those people had their days mapped out by God, that God said, this is what I would love to see you do, but that they said, thanks, but no thanks, and walked away from what that looks like. Part of that is because God exists in eternity, and I have trouble understanding this because time for me is linear. Today happens, and then tomorrow, and then the next day, and the next day, and things unfold that way. But God actually exists outside of time, which means that God can see the end from the beginning and everything in between. So God can know everything about my life and can know every day that's written in my book without causing me to make the choices that I make. It's a very big difference between saying that God knows everything about us and God causes us to make all of the choices that we make. We genuinely believe that God does know everything about how it's all going to play out. But God doesn't cause us to make those decisions. That's up to us to make the decisions that we make. But the point that we want to come back to is to remind ourselves that God did create us ultimately as a masterpiece and that when God crafted us, he had a clear purpose for us. Each one of us is an individual piece of art, an individual piece of craft. There's no one else who's like us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 puts it this way. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Again, here we understand that we are these masterpieces that God made, but that before the creation of the world, God saw these purposes for which we could live our lives. That God is crafting us into a work of art, but we have to choose to say, are we willing to partner with him in what he's creating? And we can take this analogy a little bit further to say, uh, some of us may be feeling like, I don't want to be a painting. I wish I was a gourmet meal. I would much rather be a gourmet meal than a painting. Or we might say, I don't want to be a piece of wood. I would rather be a song. That sounds much, much better than just some piece of wood. Obviously, that's a bit silly, but that's sometimes what we can do, that God created us uniquely 
for a specific purpose. And sometimes we can resent that and say, I wish I was more like someone else. Are we willing to partner with God in the work that he planned for us to do? But there's also an important distinction here where we're reminded that we're created anew in Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned. And this again is where we can sometimes get that backwards. We think that if we do enough good things, then God will accept us, that God will see us as a masterpiece. But in actual fact, it's the other way around. God already sees us as a masterpiece because of what Jesus has done. And so now as a response to that, we have the opportunity to be able to do the good things that he planned for us. We have the opportunity to live out of a response of all that God has done for us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is another helpful passage, uh, one that we're very familiar with and that we love. It's one of my favourite passages, especially the message translation. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking but instead fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings, out the, best, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. The letter to the Romans is this amazing book that Paul wrote, uh, which is just so filled with understanding everything about what Jesus has done for us. And chapters 1 to 11 is Paul just going through detail after detail after detail of explaining this is everything that Jesus has done so that you can have a full, complete relationship with God. And chapter 12 marks this turning point for him where he says, because of everything that I've just said, here's what I want you to do. Place your life before God as an offering. Again, as a response to everything that Jesus has done, here's the opportunity. Take every day of your life and everything you do and place it before God as an offering. Now, this would have been something that was very, very familiar to the people who would have heard this letter or who would have read this letter originally, who were very used to going to the temple on a regular basis to put offerings and sacrifices before God. But there are two different types of offerings that were used in the temple. One sort was to go to the temple to be able to say, I've messed up. I've made these mistakes. I've done these things wrong. And so here is my sacrifice to make up for the things that I've done. The other sort of offering was a responsive offering to say, God, thank you for everything that you've done in my life. So grateful for that. And so here's an offering that I put before you to show how much I appreciate you. Now again, in chapters 1 to 11, Paul's just spent all this time explaining that the sacrificial system is done and finished, that there's no need anymore to make sacrifices and to bring offerings because Jesus is that final sacrifice. It's finished and it's done. So Paul's clearly talking about this idea of an offering of gratitude, that it's a responsive offering, that we give our lives not to try and make up for the stuff that we've done, to be able to say, God, thank you for everything that you've done for me. So we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Everything about us, every part of our lives, we place it before God and say, use me for your purposes. What do you have planned for me? I want to partner with you in that. 
But Paul also says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. But instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be transformed from the inside out. This is important, especially as we enter into this series, to recognise that our culture doesn't define us. There are lots of things in the culture around us that tell us what our identity is, that tell us what our sense of self-esteem should be all about. And this is a reminder that we don't listen to those things. We listen to God. We fix our attention on him and allow him to transform us from the inside out. That we, As we embrace this sense of how he's created us and who he's created us to be, we're able to be transformed. But as I think about our culture, I think there's one other danger that is something that we'll continue to unpack throughout this series. And that's the reality that our culture is more and more becoming a culture of spectating. And this year, more than any other, that's been very, very true. And I was thinking back over the last, particularly the last six months, and I know I've done a lot more spectating than I have done even in other years. But we sit and we watch sport instead of participating. We sit back and we watch sport. We sit back and we watch travel shows because this year we can't travel. So we'll just watch someone else being able to do it. We sit back and we watch people renovate their houses or do their houses up. We sit back and we watch people cook food. We sit back and we watch YouTube and we look at all of the different YouTubers who are doing all of these amazing things with their lives and we watch them and see what it is that they do. There are more opportunities for us to be spectators than there ever have been before. And it's really easy for us to just sit back and say, wow, look at those people doing all of that stuff. Isn't that great? Sometimes it might inspire us. I know we love watching MasterChef, and so sometimes after watching MasterChef, watching Junior MasterChef at the moment, so watching these 10, 11, 12-year-olds who are incredible cooks inspires you to say, maybe we should do some of that cooking. But has that actually translated into doing more gourmet cooking? No. <laughs> Just sit and watch another episode and watch it all unfold. But we're created to be participants, not spectators. God created us to be people who participate in his work, not to just sit back. And again, as we go into this series, that's the danger. So we can sit back and say, yes, that's all lovely information. Isn't it great that God's done all of those things? But ultimately, God's challenge to us is to say, don't fall into the trap of the culture around you that says, sit back and watch and just consume. We're called to participate in the work that God's got for us to do. Paul puts it this way, recognise what God wants from you and respond to it. So, I want to give us a couple of minutes just to be able to reflect on that, to let some of that simmer and sift down before we transition into communion. And we're going to use this question to be able to do that. What was I created for? Ultimately, why was I created? And for some of us, this might be an opportunity to be able to just pause And think about how we understand that God sees us. When we think about God looking at us, what's our perception about how God sees us? For some of us, we're very aware of the imperfections, the blemishes, the brokenness, all the stuff that we get wrong in our lives. And that can shape the way that we think that God sees us. But if God is this master craftsman who looks at us, he can see all of those things are built into this amazing creation that he's made. Painters don't just use one colour. They don't just use bright colours. They need to use dark colours and light colours to be able to bring out what the painting looks like. 
Musicians don't just have blah, noise, 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 noise. They use increases in volume and decreases to be able to shape a song that comes together. A wood turner looks at a piece of wood and doesn't say, oh, that's got a knot in it, that's useless. Or look at that grain, that's destroyed the piece of wood. They use that and they can see that that helps it to become the unique piece of wood that it's going to turn into. That's true for us as well. God sees all the imperfections in us, but he doesn't see that as a negative thing. That's a part of the work of art that he's created in us. So for some of us, this question about being able to say, what was I created for? is to say, do I understand the way that God looks at me? And for others of us, it is about wrestling with this question about what's my purpose? Why am I here? And that God has called each one of us to participate in the work that he's got for us to do. Again, coming back to this metaphor, it would be ridiculous for a painter to make an amazing painter and then hide it away in a storage unit. It would be crazy for a gourmet chef to cook this amazing meal and then just hide it away. For a musician to write this incredible song and it never ever to get played. God wants us to fulfil the purposes that he's got for us, out on display, doing the things that he's got for us. So, Let's take some time to be able to reflect on that and as we do to remember that as we head into this week, God's with us in every single moment of every single day and that he looks at each one of us and he looks at us with a sense of pride. He says, I made that. I made that. I made that. Every moment of every day this week, in everything that we do, that's what God is saying, looking down with a sense of pride. So let's take some time to reflect. What was I created for? Then we'll come back and pray.
Let's pray. God, we do thank you that you know everything about us, that you know us inside and out. We thank you that you have known us since the very beginning. Since the beginning of time, you have known us and you've seen us. We thank you that you knit us together, that at the beginning of our lives, you put us together. You saw what we could be created for. And we thank you that all of that looks like a piece of art, a masterpiece, that you are the master craftsman. As we head into this week, my prayer is that you would help us to be able to understand what that all looks like. Help us to be able to understand the way that you see us. That in every moment of every day you look at us and you say, I made that with a sense of pride. That those blemishes, those little imperfections that are inside of us are not things that make you turn your back on us and not things that make you say, I'm going to screw that up and try again. But that you see the way that those things help us to be us. And as we step into this series, I pray that you would give us an understanding about what all that looks like. The, the unique way that you have shaped us and made us. But thanks that all of that is not just about us sitting back and passively looking at that and saying, oh, well, that's very interesting. But all of that has implications about how we engage with you, how we engage with other people, and how we participate in the life that you created us to live. So as we head into this week, I pray for an increased sense of us understanding why we're here why you have created us and a sense of anticipation and excitement about the journey that's ahead of us in the weeks to come. In your name we pray. Amen.